Blog Talk Radio. The beat goes on. The beat goes on. Drums keep pounding a rhythm to the brain. La da 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 dee. La da 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 da. Charleston was once the rage, huh?
a, a little bit of everything that is going to bring us to our goals. Our goals are ending cannabis prohibition, preserving the rights and liberties of individuals all across the nation, all across the world. We've got uh, people participating in this little project that we call the Human Solution um, in a number of different countries all across all across the nation, and there's a huge need for it. We have um, states, I don't know, 26, 28 states now that have passed some version of legalization, um, recreational, medicinal access to cannabis, and what happens is people fall for it. And when they fall for it, they think that they're protected, they think that they're safe on one side, and the other side, People believe that if you didn't follow the law, hey, you were breaking the law. So what happens is we end up with cases in hot spots where we've passed these laws that are supposed to protect us. The other side of the coin, we still have states that uh, it's entirely verboten. Uh, there's no no access whatsoever. I, I just had a heartbreaking call with a woman uh, named Melissa and she's got a son who has over 100 seizures a day, and she, this kid was just sent home from the hospital. And she said to me in tears, she said, if I could just give him a little nasal spray, he'd be just fine. But instead, uh, she goes through hell. And we're going to talk a little bit about what we can do to end this. Um, we have some defendants on the line right now. We're going to be bringing them up real quick. Michigan. Michigan passed a law, I don't know, almost not that long after California did, granting medical access. And um, they've got an infrastructure for cannabis production and, and uh, distribution and manufacturing that's probably not too far away from California's. But case after case after case comes out of Michigan. And, um, you know, at one point we had a pretty stronghold, pretty good stronghold out there. We had, I think, over 300 members of our Michigan chapter. And um, subsequently we spun off a bunch of smaller chapters. And um, we're in the process of rebuilding all that right now. Hopefully we can, we can do enough that will bring support for this case that we're going to talk about real shortly. I'm going to go ahead and jump on into this because um, I believe we have a time limit on this particular call. So let's go ahead and I believe it says Peggy on here, but I don't think that was your name. But welcome to the show. You are on the air, and um, I want to hear about what's going on with your uh, with your case or your husband's case. We we spoke a few days back, and. Um, you had been given my number by one of our members, uh, Dr. Allen, and uh, you called me up and started telling me about a case, and I gave you some directions to go to our website and, and fill some things out, and the next, the next direction was to come on the show and tell us about what's going on, and here we are, so why don't you uh, uh, just break right on into it. I know that you have a shortage of time right now, and I'd like to give you plenty of time to tell your story. Hello. Hello. Yes, you're live on yes. the air. Welcome to the show. Thank you. 
Um, yes, my husband was arrested on October 31st when the cops served a search warrant at our house. They labeled evidence wrong that some the cops lied on the stand. He's still sitting there in jail. They made the bond extremely out of reach for us. I'm on disability, and there's no possible way that I can make that bond for him. Um, they called him. They told him yesterday that if he pleads guilty and to the deal that they're giving him, that they will leave me alone and our house alone. But if he doesn't take the deal, that they're going to bring charges on me also. And unfortunately, that's a pretty common uh, tactic that they use. Um, you know, you're in Michigan, right? Ohio. Oh, 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 I'm sorry. I've got a case in Michigan, too, that was going to call. Okay, now now I've got it figured out. You know, we've had a flood of cases come in in the last, uh, the last week, and uh, I'm just trying to try to keep them all together. There's a very similar case in, um, in Michigan as well. Um, that's why I was talking about Michigan, my, my mistake. So in Ohio, you guys don't have what – do you, what do you have as far as protection, as far as legal protection? Um, Kim and I are both um, medical marijuana patients. We have medical marijuana cards. The cops did in not Ohio, care about. In, in Ohio, you have um, a provision that allows for what you're doing. Okay, and I and I again, I apologize. Um, I, I I I switched you with another defendant who also is on the line named Danny. And I a little discombobulated. So, and, and frankly, don't get me wrong. I don't care if you're in a state that has no law. We're we're here to help. Nobody belongs uh, charged with crimes because they had a plant. So don't don't even worry about. That's not my position whatsoever. My position is just trying to establish where you're at and what's going on. And uh, you know, your husband got hit with a high bail, and unfortunately, um, you know, that's one of the tactics that they use. Um, and what how much how much of a bond did they did they hit him with? Two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Wow, that's what they did to me. Um, you know, it's 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 brutal. Have they had a bail reduction hearing yet? They reduced it to a hundred and twenty five thousand. Okay. Oh nice. And that's it. They're not they're not they're not budging after that. And does he have a public defender or does he have a, an attorney? He has two public defenders. Okay, and are they participating in any way? Or are they, are, are they, you know, sometimes a public defender can actually be helpful. Many times they're worthless, but I've seen plenty of cases, not a lot, but not enough, but I have seen cases where they're, they actually will participate, and if you're engaged with them, um, you know, they'll actually put up a fight. Um, is does he have that situation or are they basically just trying to coerce him into a deal? Um, well in the beginning I thought that they were going to try to help, but after yesterday they said that he had to either accept the deal or going to bring charges on me during the grand jury. Okay. Um can are you in a time crunch? Because I've got um, Danny, the other 
defendant on the line, and she is in a, a real short time crunch. And I just want to—I want to have plenty of time for both of you to tell your story. But um, I know Danny is; she's got a, a visitation that she's got to be able to get to. I want to make sure that she gets the opportunity to tell her story, and then I can bring you back. Are you able to sit on online for a little bit? Yeah, that's fine. Okay, perfect. I'm going to put you on hold again, and I'm going to bring Danny up and um, give her a chance. And we'll we'll keep going, though. I got that's what this show is all about, and we will we'll bring it all to everybody's attention, and um, we'll rally whatever uh, support we can. So just hang tight. Okay. Yeah. All right, here we go, Danny. Danny, uh, let's see. There you, you go. Me? You're live on. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. Sorry about I that. We had, yeah, we had two defendants with very similar cases, one in Michigan, one in Ohio, that happened all at the same time. So um, I know you're in kind of a hurry. Why don't you go ahead and tell your story real quick? Okay. All right. <laughs> um, my husband and I have uh, been running our hobby farm for about uh, uh, about a year. And um, October 11th, uh, about 4.30, 5.30 in the morning, somewhere around there, uh, we got raided. Bayonet State Police came and busted down our door, and uh, we, they took everything, uh, <laughs> everything that was, that was of value they took. And um, they also carted my husband off to jail. And so uh, they also brought in CPS, um, who, of course, did an investigation on us. Um, my husband and I had to go to jail or had to uh, go to court uh, the very next day uh, to hear. Uh, they were petitioning the court to remove Stormy from our care. And – but we uh, – argued that and won. Uh, the judge ruled in our favor. Thankfully, that doesn't happen very often. Just so you know, <laughs> that was a that was a divine miracle on that on that. Um, but then it came out that he had. Uh, they were charging him with felonies. Um, manufacturing and distributing, uh, and then he also. Part of that 18 felonies is four felony firearm charges. So uh, it is now since gone down to um, 16 felonies because they double charged on one transaction that should have only been one. <laughs> so it went down to 16. Uh, basically, the charges are for each individual uh, transaction that was made between uh, my husband and the undercover officer. They had been telling us that they had uh, been surveilling us for over eight months and that they had – and then they also stated that they one of their helicopters flew over our house and saw – you you are breaking up. Um, is there a place that you can get to that's a little better connection? Danny, can you hear me? Ah, hate cell phones. 
Um, all right. Well, I, I, Danny, I, I, I hope uh, I don't want to. Oh, you dropped. Okay. Well, hopefully she'll call right back, and uh, we're going to go ahead back to uh, Peggy. And all right. Um, go ahead, um, Peggy, and I uh, apologize. Normally we don't have two calls that have such very similar situations um, at once, and um, you know it's it's heartbreaking. I. Uh, I went through this myself a few years back, and five years ago I was behind bars and would be unable to do this show. Uh, go ahead, keep on, keep on going with your story. Okay. Um, <clears throat> at the first court appearance, he was only charged with three felonies: an F5, an F3, and an F1. Um, the F1 is completely ridiculous and false. They said that he was processing and manufacturing because they found a propane torch and sucker sticks and Jolly Ranchers in our house. But I don't know who would want to eat a Jolly Rancher after it's been melted down with propane. That's totally ridiculous. Sucker sticks that have never been used, I don't see how that's processing and manufacturing at all. Um, The F3 is child endangerment because we have a 14-year-old daughter that lives in our home. And actually today the Children's Services went out to the jail and told him that they were closing the case and dropping that charge, the F3. And the F5 is something they are saying that he had hash. I don't believe he had hash because it was wax or dabs that was found not hash. Um, but now, like I said, they were trying to get him to take a deal yesterday. He told them no. Um, now they're saying that they're going to also bring 10 gun charges on him because he had 10 firearms. And these firearms, were they were they registered or were there, I mean, this is where things unfortunately can get complicated. And again, it doesn't take away from our support. It just, I'm here to, you know, I spent the last eight years in and out of courtrooms um, all across the country. And um, what you're telling me is, is very common, unfortunately. They grab at straws, they make threats, they do, they jack people's bail. Um, when when you've got a, a, a over eager prosecutor, which unfortunately a huge percentage of them are, um, it's it's unfortunately very common that the things you're talking about. But the guns, unfortunately, they they use those as tremendous leverage, and you know it's it's hard for people to. Uh, wrap their heads around the fact that somebody can have guns and 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 also have cannabis and also be a decent person. I mean, I don't have any issue with it myself. They took my guns too, but um I know how I know how a lot of folks are. So um is there a paper trail for these guns or are you gonna be able to to justify them? Um I know for sure that a couple of them were completely legally bought and he had to pass a background check for. 
I don't know about all of them, um, if all of them has got a paper trail or not, but I know for sure that two of them do. Got it. Well, at the end of the day, um, what they tend to do is throw everything they have at you in the hopes of forcing you into taking that plea deal. And then what likely happens is the weakest of the charges they have start to melt away. And as, as if you stand your ground and, you know, you, you ask for your discovery and you, you know, keep fighting, unfortunately he's behind bars and, you know, raising up $150,000 or even $15,000 if they got 10% on you, um, it's, it's, it's a nightmare. I, I went through it myself. Um, it was the hardest thing I ever did to raise that money, and if it wasn't for the grace of, of a couple of people that, that literally, you know, saved my hide, I would have spent, you know, probably several years in, in custody trying to fight my case. Um, and I wish I had, you know, some, some magic wand I could wave, but at the end of the day, what we got to do is, is, you know, you're doing the first part, which is giving us sort of the, the background and, and the story. The next thing we're going to do is look at what your options are and, and start rallying some support. Um, and then, you know, we're going to hopefully be able to get in touch with your husband. Um, you know, I'll give you a number that he can call collect, and I can talk to him as well if, it, if he's willing and able to do that. Um, and we just, you know, we dig in. This is grassroots uh, work. It's, 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 I've seen miracles happen. I mean, I'm a free man today because of the work that, that the community rallied together and, you know, um, we were able to put together a plan that, that worked. Unfortunately, I mean, it wasn't an easy plan and, and, you know, we took our lumps. There's no question about it, but we held our ground and we ended up winning in the long run. And the people of the human solution were directly, um, directly a, a primary factor in what, what caused it to happen. Um, so, I mean, how are you equipped if, if, if he ends up having a, you know, an extended stay in this? Are you guys, is he strong enough to handle it? Are you strong enough to handle it? Um, honestly, I spent seven hours in the hospital today hooked up to heart, heart monitors and stuff. I don't know how well I'm handling this. I know it's difficult. I've been through it myself. But we're going to give you all the support that we can. This is, um, you're speaking to uh, Liz Grumbine, and I feel for you, and it makes me so angry that they do this. Yeah, we, you know, like I said, we went through this, um, you know, four times. They locked me up four times during this issue that I had, and, uh, you know, unfortunately, they, you know, they live for this stuff. They, uh, you know, prosecutor gets, gets unfortunately, uh, you know, they, they seem to, to get joy out of, out of causing us grief. Um, what's your support team like out there? Um, well, I have a few close family members that are doing whatever they can, but other than that, there really is... Nobody. 
All right. Well, that is no longer the case, number one. Um, I, I don't want to bump you again, but I've got Craig Ciso, who's calling from federal prison. He's currently serving a life term, and he calls in every week. So if you can hang tight, um, we're going to let him have his call, and then we'll, we'll get back and continue on. All right. Craig Cecil, how are you doing today? Good, good. Good afternoon, Joe. Oh, I do have a couple of pieces of good news, though. Oh, <laughs> I, I need some good news. Today's been a hell of a day. We were just just on the phone with two, oh. two defendants, one in um, Michigan and one in Ohio, that uh, are talking with the wives, and the husbands are currently in custody and being held on a $150,000 bond um, in two totally separate cases, but they all they both came in uh, in a short short period of time. But why don't you go ahead and uh, tell us about your good news. Well, one piece of good news you might enjoy is the, uh, uh, the Food Service Administrator here has been relieved of his duties. <laughs> and re- he was replaced by somebody who came from Washington, D.C. Really? He will be here a uh, year to fix some things in the food service. Really? <laughs> well, gee, I wonder uh, I wonder if we had anything to do with that. I'm positive you did. I'm positive you did, because they certainly don't listen to the inmates, so. Wow, well, <laughs> that, well, that, you know, folks, <laughs> just want everybody that's listening to realize that you know, we're we're working. Craig, I'm going to share with you a, a, a struggle we're going through right now, trying to get some support um, for a project. But um, when we do these projects and we do a call to action and people take action, uh, most of the time I don't hear about most of it. But what we do hear about is when the results happen. And when there's an inmate who is facing adversity beyond the normal adversity of being locked up, and there's an injustice that's happening that we can target and identify and reach out and complain about. It's amazing. It's almost like um, it's almost like kryptonite for these guys. They don't like when we call them out on on things that we know. And this is now the third or fourth time, just with Craig alone, that there's been a problem and uh, the community has responded. And all of a sudden, they got a new food service guy that's trying to fix some things. So, my God, that 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 certainly warms my heart a bit. And I'm I'm sure that you people were the only, you know, maybe the only part that made the difference, but definitely a huge part of, you know, why that happened. Like I say, they certainly don't listen to us prisoners from the inside, but they will listen to people from the outside, especially those who send messages to their, you know, their senator or their uh, House of Representatives member. Well, that, so, that, oh, I'm sure, I'm sure you, you played a big part in it. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's, it's tough sometimes you're out there and you're, you're, you're trying to make a difference and I feel like uh, some video game character trying to whack back a bunch of giant mobs or something um, and they just keep coming and they just keep coming. But every once in a while, you get a good a good whack, and the moth goes flying. And you know, I think this is one of those cases for sure. Another piece of good news I heard this morning was on NPR News. I, I hope you heard it. Uh, 
basically there's a bunch of polls that came out and they say for the first time ever all the polls of all the different demographics including uh, the uh, Republican electorate all favor the federal decriminalization of marijuana so all the voters that favor it the only people who don't right now is the people that are elected <laughs> well you know it's interesting that you said that because um I think I brought up last week about the Rohrbacher Farr Amendment that we're, we're pushing to breathe life back into. And, um, you know, we've got until December 8th um, before this thing, you know, basically dies in committee. And the coalition of the willing that we've put together, the UCCA, um, has drafted a letter and uh, it identifies the, the the coalition. It identifies um, who, you know, the, the different types of groups that are involved, and it addresses this m amendment, this bill, and um, it urges the elected officials uh, to stand behind it and and you know get it moving forward so they can bring it to the floor for a vote. And the first part of this has been circulating the letter so people can see it and getting endorsements and it's been like pulling teeth i don't know why but people just they don't pay attention they don't read what you send them they don't know what an endorsement is i'm i'm frightened of of what you know has happened to the uh i don't know ability and willingness of, of americans but bottom line is we've got about 350 endorsements so far of individuals and and organizations and um the number's growing, but first of all, I'm sure I have it, but I want to officially get your endorsement of this because we have a number of inmates that have officially endorsed it. Now, two of the other statistics that they gave um, would support that. The one statistic was is that 36% of people felt very strongly about the marijuana issue. And they're saying a lot of times, you know, different demographics, a larger number that, you know, are in favor of legalization. They have a bigger share of people that feel strongly, especially feel strongly enough to act on it like you are. But that was uh, one concern they made is that people just aren't screaming up and up. <laughs> and uh, well, another concern that they brought up is they said that, according to their polls, if... Uh, Marijuana was decriminalized at the federal level. About 28% of the people surveyed said they would probably use marijuana. Well, and that's a big part of this. I, I was talking with a woman today named Melissa Ragsdale, and uh, she has a son who has uh, horrible seizures, and he has hundreds of seizures a day. And a small amount of, of cannabis will stop these seizures. But he lives in Kansas, and there's no access and you know she's she's a living living in a hell as a result and we're talking about this you know and and that's one of the things that this legislation would do it, it would unlock the controlled substances act and allow for states to decide if they want to allow it or not as it should be and um you know like i said it's one of these things that i think if we can get enough endorsements from enough um, individuals and groups, not just cannabis people, but, you know, civil rights groups, individuals all across the board, elected officials, whatnot, if we can get these endorsements and then drop this in the lap of all of the elected officials, 
I think we can push this thing forward, and and they'll actually recognize, you know, polls and 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 petitions and all of these things together. I think is is what we need. So I I want to get your official endorsement, though. I want to make record of that because I'm we're going to include your name on this as, as long as you give it. Oh, I would definitely, you know, put my support in that. Perfect. Um, That's all I need. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I need. We're gonna put your name in on it. Because one thing I look at is people rapidly get get behind uh, different gun right, you know, uh, measures and you know rights to to keep their uh, you know efforts to uh, stop the people who are trying to stop gun ownership rights. I mean that they're, they're rampant, they're out there, and all that. People definitely use a gun a whole lot less than they use marijuana. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I don't know how we can make that jump to, you know, activate people as strongly as the uh, gun issue does. Well, I, I am honestly looking for every possible um, angle, every possible solution. I, I really, you know, with the time ticking, we got till December 8th. I'm, I'm open to any and all suggestions. So I like the. Uh, you know, the gun rights analogy, and, and, you know, maybe we'll draft up a, um, some sort of a slogan uh, around that. I just, it's, I, I, I almost feel desperate right now, and I, you know, I desperately want to end prohibition, but I just feel like we can, this is a, this is a, a real shot we have, and if we could just bring everybody online, we could actually open that door up, and, and, and these cases uh, that are calling in, you know, husbands and wives and kids being threatened and wives being threatened and, and you know, it's just maddening. It's madness. And to think that if this bill had passed, these cases probably wouldn't be happening right now. It would probably have have opened the door for acceptance in a way that we're just not going to get as long as the federal government stands against us. Well, it must be working to some degree because... For some reason, they cited all kinds of different polls, and for some reason, somebody's paying and paying for and doing all these polls. So there's obviously a, a renewed interest in marijuana at this time. And um, so, you know what I mean? So whatever you're doing is working. People are interested. People are spending money on, you know, all these different polls and and all that. So there's definitely interest. Well, I sure wish I could get all these people in the same room. And come up with one plan, you know. It seems that we got this giant group of broke people that works real hard on a grassroots level, and then you got this group of people that have money that do stuff that we don't know what they're doing. And if we could combine our efforts a little bit, I think we could push this thing over in a heartbeat. I, I would like to see some advertising on TV. I don't even know if that's legal though. <laughs> oh, it is. They're doing advertising. Because they, they took away the advertising for uh, liquor. I don't know if it's, I don't know where marijuana fits in that. Well, I mean, I, you can definitely advertise for a you know measure before Congress. Yeah. I know they definitely have uh, advertisements on billboards and whatnot, and radio ads. I hear um, for dispensaries and for uh, investing investment groups and things like that that are specifically targeting marijuana. So um, it's definitely, I don't know, you know, I know Robert Platshorn has been doing radio ads and infomercial things, so 
I don't think I don't I know you can certainly put an ad supporting legislation no matter what. So I think we could. If we could get the budget for it, I think we should. I think, you know, we gotta reach a broader audience than we're reaching. Right, and I have seen the the advertisements for these you know, pools of investment, you know, for money backing the marijuana industry and I would think that those people, you know, should have a budget to uh you know, to expand their industry through decriminalization at the federal level. I I would think that, you know, that would definitely be a place to look to to poke at them and say, you know, hey, you know, we need some money for this. We need some exposure for this, especially before December 8th. This call is from a federal Well, you know, the the sad irony about this, this bill is really a bipartisan, should have bipartisan support. Right now it has... Uh, some Democrats and some Republicans supporting it. It was written by a Republican, and there's a increasingly more Republican support that's happening right now. It just hasn't been enough, and it's been sort of stymied um, by Congress. I mean, they basically kind of poo-pooed it. And this is the fourth year this this a version of this bill has been trying to move forward. And I just can't help but think if these people would just pull their heads out of their asses and have some sense of how much money could be made by the federal government if they allowed this to occur and people would be more forced to declare their incomes instead of this gigantic black market that rages across America where people aren't claiming crap. And, you know, hell, we could probably balance the the U.S. budget on the back of, of allowing, decriminalizing this, and number one, we wouldn't be spending so much on prisoners and prisons, and on the converse of that, they'd be bringing in all these tax dollars uh, on, on one level or another. If anything, it would just be uh, personal incomes that would be increasing. So it's it's ridiculous that these people aren't wrapping their heads around it, but it's really not. If you really understand and, and you get the forces that are against us, the prison guards union, the pharmaceutical companies, chemical companies, and all of that, that's what we're up against. Craig, that's your first beep. Go ahead and take it from here. Well, look, I, I'm still uh, reveling in uh, not only our new food service administrator, <laughs> who I've already talked to, and he's willing to work with us. All right. <laughs> but also those polls compared to uh, marijuana survey numbers from just four years ago. And the percentages of people in favor of uh, federal decriminalization move drastically. So I think there's a lot of hope there. And thank you for you to shining all the light on, on us uh, here behind the razor wire because of marijuana, that, that really we are the only victims of marijuana, those of us that are locked up in prison over a plant. That's so true. And, uh, Craig, good call. You actually – Timed it just right. The, the call ends. Uh, Craig gets 15 minutes to call this show, and um, it's it's brutal because a lot of times he'll be uh, talking and, um, you know, in mid-thought it cuts off, and that's it. That's what you get. When you're locked up, you get 15 minutes to talk on the, on the phone, and he's actually risking his what little rights he has as a federal prisoner um, by calling into the show, but he does it every single week. And uh, if you're new to this show, uh, what he was talking about was a few months back 
the the warden, I guess they got a new warden, and uh, when that happened, they uh, started basically messing with the inmates, and they cut the food to, uh, it was actually, what he was describing was below what the actual prison system menu allows for, which is really barely enough calories for a grown man to, to, to do all right on. And Craig is a diabetic, and uh, uh, if Craig doesn't have a certain amount of, of allowed amounts of food during the day, um, it can be a big health issue for him, and he's already had health issues as a result. Um, they've, they've ransacked the cells, taken away a lot of uh, the ability to, sto to stockpile foodstuffs, they cut the commissary back, um, and it was really brutal. So a few months, or about a little more than a month ago, we set out on a mission to uh, bring attention from us through calls, emails, uh, website complaints, letters, whatever, to the prison system, and it had an effect. Um, they got rid of the guy that was causing the problem. They got a new guy in, and the inmates are at least getting some food to eat. All right, let's get back to this. We've got, it looks like Danny made it back on, and I know she's still got um, a time constraint. So I'm going to bring Danny back on and then back to Peggy. And we have our first guest that was scheduled. Um, Steve Downing is here, and he is uh, with law, or it's actually a new, new name, law enforcement. Uh, shoot, we'll get it. It used to be law enforcement against prohibition anyways. Steve is a personal friend and a friend of, of ending prohibition. We're going to talk to him shortly. All right, back to Danny, and uh, let's let's uh, kind of wrap our head around this case and create a call to action is what I like to do through this show. Um, so, Danny, go ahead and uh, continue. Um, and I know that you're you're in a in a difficult spot. You got a husband locked up, and um, where how He's been in custody now for how long? 35 days. 35 days, and his bail is how much? 100,000. 100,000, okay. And what, what status? You've already gone through a bail reduction hearing. Um, nope. uh, what What? You didn't have one? Nope, not yet. Well, you should have had one within three days. That's That's... You know, there's a good chance that they're they're violating some issues that, you know, if he stands tough, um, it may be enough that they drop this case. Um, that's a pretty severe violation. You're supposed to have um, a bail reduction hearing in a, I think it's within 72 hours, or a bail hearing, so that the judge can decide, um, you know, review the case, review the uh, the warrant, the evidence, and determine, you know, set a bail. Right. Well, and my big, our big problem right now is that, um, you know, he was he was representing himself, and they have denied him pretty much any filing that he's tried to sub submit into his file. They've refused to to do it because he put in for a bond motion, and the judge said sorry, I'm not going to file it into your file. He also wrote a 64-page document. Um, I guess I should back up and say that my husband is no stranger to legal uh, crap. 
Uh, he's very well versed in all of it, and this isn't his first go around with the sheriff's department and and everybody. Ted has always been vocal. He's always spoken about the crimes uh, that's been committed by the courts. So, in a way, this really is a vendetta, you know, they have with him. And they're not going to stop. This this isn't the first time they've messed with him. Uh, it's a little bit more serious now than the other other times that they tried to get him. But So, he knows his stuff. And he is more than capable of... Uh, you know, representing himself. Uh, so anyways, so he wrote, you know, he's been writing motions and everything, and they denied him to do that. Right now, we're in the preliminary. We're in the second half of the preliminary. And, um, you know, he he actually uh, wanted to to bring up his bond motion before, and he talked to the judge about it, and the judge told him, no, I won't. Uh, then we had the preliminary and he said, okay, I want to have my bond heard. And he says, no, I won't hear it until after the preliminary. So it's only until after the preliminary that the judges agreed to listen to the bond motion. And when she told him, yeah, I've already read it. I'm not sure that I'm going to – don't think I'm really going to change my mind. Well, um, uh, hopefully it is making a good record of what's happening. Um, I mean, it sounds – based on what I'm hearing, it sounds like there's – likely a bunch of appealable issues. The problem is the judges and the courts hate it when people represent themselves, and whether they're capable or not, they don't give them a fair shake. And uh, it's just the way it is. I wish it wasn't that way because there, every once in a while, is somebody that's actually capable of representing themselves. But I've never seen anybody that made that choice uh, be treated any way other than um, horrible by the court. Um, and and by the prosecutors and 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 every element of it. Um, so, what I need to do well, is as, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Oh, oh I, w I was just going to say. I mean, yeah, he he is broken down to the point where he's he has a lawyer right now, but that's only because they weren't allowing him to file anything and they weren't allowing him discovery. You know, he's like yeah, that's he said, I have to recommend is even even if it's just to get these things to be submitted and accepted by the court, you can dump your lawyer at any time. If he decides it goes to trial and he wants to try the case himself, he has that right. But you got to get And that's the court what he plans on doing. That's what he yeah. plans on doing. He only took on this lawyer to help him in the district part. When he gets into the circuit, he will he will represent himself. So he was just doing this just so what he could like that will is, for him. Um, we're 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 starting to gobble up a bunch of time, and I've got a couple of uh, of scheduled guests that are on the line. I want to give you plenty of time, and I, I welcome you to come back regularly on the show. And I will again make myself available to talk to you personally about establishing a plan. You're in Michigan. What part of Michigan are you in? And I'm holding my hand up because I know you point to a spot on your hand that tells me where you're at. <laughs> well, we're closer <laughs> to to the bend in between the thumb and the index finger. Got it. Okay. So um, what I want to do is, I ha have you been on onto the website and have you um, filled out our defendant stuff and and uh, you know connected I did. I through? haven't done a plan of I haven't done a plan of action yet though. Or, or okay. a calendar date. I did do the defendant intake. Good, good. Well, that's uh, you're doing great. 
you're 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 taking on the first steps. You're being proactive. Your husband's proactive. You guys sound like you're the type of candidate that what we've learned can benefit you guys a lot. The next step is going to be to start rallying um, local support. And um, what we'll do is we can even create a press release. We can create an article, give you um, a, a, a place to reach out to some of the locals. We have had in the past, I don't know, five or six chapters of the Human Solution. I'm still in contact with a number of, of former members and current members, and it's just a matter of, of sounding the horn, and um, hopefully we can, you know, get some of this going. The most important thing, though, is is your voice, and so um, your ability to let us know when and where court hearings are going to be. Um, I'd like to get you some of our solidarity, solidarity ribbons that um, kind of identify us as standing together. I'd like to talk to you about how to rally effectively and how to, um, you know, I know there's a lot of angst and anger, especially, sounds to me like me and your husband probably have a lot in common. Um, but I had to <laughs> choke down some of my emotions and feelings and outrage and rage to be effective. And so sometimes you have to have to work against what you would want to do in order to get what you want. And But I do want to spend... I'm talking about formulating a plan. When when is the next court hearing? Tomorrow, as a matter of fact, at three o'clock. Okay, so why don't you give us a date? A, I mean, a time and a place. Hopefully, if somebody is listening, um, if you can if you can send me a message personally um, that I can post up. No, hopefully, hell, if we can get one person to come out. And and stand in support with you. That's where it all begins. Okay. All right. Well, I'm, I'm I have to be ten minutes early, so I got to get to the jail. But no um, problem. Send I will me a text message. And yeah, send me a text message with everything. Get it out there. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Thank you. All right. We'll talk to you soon. And uh, let's go on forward to uh, Peggy. And then we're going to get to our regularly scheduled guest. And um, we've got Steve Downing, and we've also got uh, um, Howard Wooldridge who is supposed to be joining us. And it's bizarre that um, Howard came to us totally separately on just happens to be the, the week that Steve was scheduled to speak. So we've got two uh, LEAP members um, uh, scheduled online right now. So, all right. So, Peggy, you are up next, and let's go ahead, and, and you were listening to, you know, the advice and, and the strategy I'm going with Danny, and the same thing's going to hold true with you. Um, you know, I know it's brutal, and, um, you know, I hope that you're able to hang tough while they're, while they're trying to crack you. Um, the good news is for you, they've already played the child card and lost, so that's one of the things that they tend to hold over um, parents pretty brutally, and a lot of times it works. You know, they give in because, of course, you know, you don't want to lose your child. So the, having won that victory already, um, knowing that you, you're going to have a, a, a tough battle with the, with the weapons involved, but it doesn't mean you're not going to win. It doesn't mean, you know, if you were to – if I was to tell you the story of my case and all the things that, that, that we overcame – 
the adversities we overcame just by staying the course and just by not giving up and, and trying to be effective and trying to, you know, do things um, in a positive, effective way, um, I can definitely tell you you can overcome anything. Uh, so when is your husband's next next hearing? Um, there's grand jury is tomorrow. Okay. Wow. Boy, <laughs> two two cases and tomorrow is the day. Wow. Okay. Um, is, is the grand jury is that that's a closed hearing though, isn't it? Um, I'm not that familiar with how court court proceedings work. Um, but. The way it was explained to me, it would be just the prosecutor and a panel of nine people. If one right. of those nine people disagree with the charge, then that charge gets thrown out. But if all nine people agree with the charge, then it moves on from there. Okay. Well, I think right now um, the best thing you can do is to get informed as much as you can about what happens tomorrow. Um, is, is his attorney uh, speaking with you? Or is he just, just you know, staying to the husband? Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. Um, honestly, I really don't know how to feel about his attorney right now because, like I said in the beginning, it, he seemed like he was going to be very helpful. But then yesterday when his attorney called and told me what this deal was that the prosecutor would bring charges on me to at grand jury if Glenn didn't take the deal, um, I'm not quite sure how to feel about him. He also told me that I am not allowed to discuss his case with anybody over the phone. I don't feel <laughs> that anybody has the right to tell me that I cannot discuss Well, I, I have a special finger for that person that I'd like to share with everybody right now. Um, you know, it's the bottom line is, is you know, you don't want to discuss specific details about a case uh, because, as you will find out, everything you say can and will be used against you. Um, but to, to talk about the generalities and to talk about that there is a case and to talk about the fact that we're, we're seeking support from the community, uh, they don't like it, but you, if you do it effectively, it can be very successful. We just have to be careful. Don't ever um, divulge anything that is specific detail about your husband's case. I know you, you know, especially it doesn't sound like you've gone through this before, and, hell, the first time I went through it, I didn't know anything, and I wanted to tell every detail about everything, and they kept putting a gag over me, and it was good they did. Um, so, you know, what I would say to you right now is let's get through tomorrow. Um, call me back tomorrow after uh, the grand jury hearing and, and let me know what happened. And then we can begin to strategize from there, because who knows? They might not can they might not indict him, and he comes home tomorrow, and you guys can just say, "Well, we're back to life." I hope so. Well, just I, realize, and it, this is one of the things it. that I think the most important thing that the Human Solution does. And right now, listening to you are are a bunch of people. Many of the people are are people who have been through what you what you're going through, and we, we're here today to help because we know one of the things that's the most grueling about going through a case is the isolation. Um, 
you you feel like you're all alone, like you don't have anybody, and the handful of friends that you have, they get tired of, of, of this being a burden. It's a huge burden on anybody that's near you, and it's it's really difficult. I went through it for six years, and I lost a lot of people that I was close to, including family members, most of my family. Um, it, it, it's the hardest thing you could probably ever go through aside from, you know, a health issue, um, and I don't know, I'd probably put one up against the other. But realize that you now are connected to a group of people that care, and we're not going to leave your side. I don't know specifically what we can do today, but I know that we do offer that, and we'll, we will do everything we can, and let's just go from there. Sounds good. All right, well, call me tomorrow and let me know um, after this hearing, and we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll keep going. We'll, we'll start to establish a plan from this point. Okay, thank you. All right, thank you. Oh, man, we just went last week and we were talking about, um, you know, there were seemingly no cases out there, and all of a sudden this week I think we had three cases um, specifically uh, that are coming for help, and we have a case in Colorado that I didn't hear, actually two cases in Colorado. One one hasn't called in yet, but I think they're going to. And the second, um, I, I haven't heard, Mark Pedersen, I haven't heard a thing about uh, about his case. Um, all right, so we got Steve Downing up, and um, I've known Steve Downing. Hell, Steve, welcome to the show, first of all. I'm just going to sort of try to explain how you and I uh, have, have – uh, been together for a little while now. I met Steve through my trial. Um, I think you guys were pushing the, uh, the the one of the first initiatives that we're going through, and my trial happened to be going on at the same time. And a, a bunch of um, of mutual friends from uh, uh, Steve Colette and Sam Sabzahar and uh, um, uh, Judge Gray and a bunch of folks. We we just ended up in the same circle. At the same time, I was I was going through this, uh, you know, this this multi multiple felony trial, and and Steve ended up in court a few times and um, began to uh, you know see the origins of the human solution. So welcome to the show, Steve. How are you doing today? Thanks, Joe. It's good to hear your voice. I'm doing well, uh, it's, it's very well. Good to be out of those words. <laughs> Those were good memories back then. I'm sure not for you, you, but they uh, a lot of that stuck in my mind, and a lot about your trial uh, revealed a lot about uh, the uh, corruption of local law enforcement uh, in in our area. And I specifically remember the testimony of one of the narcotic officers. Uh, when he was put under Vore Dyer, and uh, he was basically uh, trained in narcotic enforcement uh, probably two decades before he arrived uh, to your trial uh, at the police academy. And that basic training uh, was before Proposition 215 passed in, in uh, California, uh, now over 20 years, but his training was before that. And he made the statement that the only training he's ever received outside of the academy 
was with the California Narcotics Officers Association, and his department never gave him any training. And that said a lot to the expertise he brought to the stand, and it said a lot about the prosecutor's expertise in bringing the case against you. And those memories stuck, and, and they've, they've been the foundation of a lot of the fight that I've waged here in uh, Long Beach uh, for a better police department, a better city government. And uh, I, in my columns that I write, write for a local newspaper, uh, <clears throat> I kind of specialize in people who are unjustly arrested the most recent being a man named Kurt Cassidine, who uh, whose door was broken down on a phony warrant uh, by David Stroman, probably the most notorious narcotic officer in Long Beach, and uh, and completely, completely ignored the law, completely ignored Proposition 215, and uh, uh, booked him. He didn't book him, but uh, he he brought charges against him, and the city prosecutor filed those charges. Uh, I'm sure without even looking at it, uh, I I am dying one day to get a look at his search warrant because I am convinced by all the circumstances that the search warrant uh, uh, contains false and misleading statements, and so by the time. Uh, we published uh, my column for uh, on Mr. Cassidy's story, and uh, got some volunteer lawyers to step in. Uh, uh, by the time they got to court, the city prosecutor uh, knew he had a loser, and uh, dismissed the case. But that doesn't mean that he didn't go through five kinds of hell and expenses. And had we not gotten oh. a couple of lawyers who were interested. Uh, he, he, he would have been out uh, tens of thousands of dollars. Anyway, I ramble well, on, Joe. Grief. This is your people show. People don't realize <laughs> the grief that people go through in the process. You know, I mean, I beat three felony cases over six years, but literally, you know, you come out, you know, hamburger, no matter what, you know, and that was a total victory. But it doesn't matter. They they lock you up, which you know, unless you're a criminal. Um, it's a pretty foreign and hellish place that you don't belong in, and it's toxic in every way. And then the, the cost and the, the time to go to court, dealing with attorneys, having to uh, have the fear and, the, and the, the, the oppressive feeling of having, uh, you know, a, a felony conviction hanging over your head. Um, for most people, it's something they can't handle, and they end up just taking plea deals. And and for the handful of folks that are you know willing to stand up and take it, you don't come out the way you went in. <laughs> it's it's just brutal. You know you're absolutely right, and uh, I I completely understand uh, people taking these plea bargains when they know they're innocent, but they take them because they're afraid or they can't afford to move forward, and. Uh, I, I think that entire system needs a great deal of reform as well as the bail system. And we're seeing movement now in the bail, bail system uh, for reform. Uh, and we got to get on board for that because that's the first harm. 
Most of these folks can't even put up bail, and so they sit in jail until um, it's time for court. And then they're so anxious to get away from that environment, uh, threatened by 15 years in prison or exchange it for some kind of misdemeanor plea. It's all it's all a phony system that's out of control, and uh, the prosecutors and the police are too close. There needs to be better balances between those. Prosecutors should not enjoy total immunity. Uh, they they should be held responsible for their decision, especially especially the, when they accept the testimony of a police officer who they know is lying, who they should question five times and and really ask the hard questions. But they don't. They put them on the stand. They mislead the juries. They know they're misleading the juries. And that those are the kind of reforms that we need to put in place. And just to uh, clarify what you said earlier, yes, uh, uh, we did used to be uh, LEAP, Law Enforcement Against uh, Prohibition, and we are still LEAP, but we have been renamed. Uh, we have, I'm on the board. We went through a full year of uh, real agony in, in, uh, in redefining our charter, and uh, we now call ourselves Law Enforcement Action Partners. And what that has done is it's widened our scope not to deal just with the subject of, of uh, 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 drug prohibition, but also to deal with all of the fruits of drug prohibition that include excessive bail, that include uh, uh, fractured homes from mass incarceration, that include mandatory minimum sentencing, that includes uh, bail reform and those kind of things. We are now looking at prohibition of all drugs as the root cause of all of these harms that emerge from the criminal justice system that need to be reformed. And so I think that we are becoming uh, uh, a more generalized uh, organization of speakers who go out and, and we can talk more about the harms of drug prohibition as well as drug prohibition. We haven't given up our, our base base uh, uh, mission of ending the prohibition of all drugs in favor of regulation and control, but we also join with others in uh, combating the harms of, of the drug war. Well, I think that's a, a, a good and noble way to move forward. I, I had a long talk with Neil Franklin in Atlanta uh, a few months back, and, and he explained some of that. Um, I also learned um, about the origins of LEAP, um, and Neil Franklin was one of the, the first folks as well. And I was always under the impression um, that LEAP was only comprised of uh, retired law enforcement. But when Neil told me that he was active duty when, when he was part of starting this thing, uh, and he continued to explain um, uh, the current state and and the active duty officers that are that are involved. I, I mean, I look. I'll take whatever support we could get. But I always thought, you know, geez, I wish some of these guys would step forward when they're when they're still wearing the badge. You could get so much more done. On that note, I didn't expect this to happen. But um, a couple of days ago, 
I, I got wind that um, Howard Wildridge was going to be able to join the show, and I understand he's one of the founders of LEAP as well, and he's on the line right now, so I'd like to bring him up as well, and, and we can have a discussion with the three of us. What do you say? I, I say that's great. Howard is the genius of, uh, of uh, overcoming drug prohibition. He was one of the original founders, along with uh, Jack Cole and uh, uh, Peter uh, Christ. And uh, uh, Howard is uh, one of my heroes. Well, Howard, you're going to have uh, something to live up to here. That's a hell of an intro. Um, but here we go. Hang on a second. It's taking a second to reel you in here. And come on, computer. There we go. Howard Wildridge, you're live on the air with uh, myself and uh, Steve Downing. And uh, just want to let you know, uh, Lisa Wildridge, who's uh, my vice president, brought your name to mm -hmm. my attention. And I didn't mm -hmm. put together who you were. Um, then once I saw it, we connected, and I went and I looked, at, looked you up. I remembered uh, listening to some videos you put on a while ago. And mm -hmm. I remember after watching those videos, I had recently uh, finished my case. I was weary as hell battling the government for six years. And I hear mm -hmm. you speaking sense <laughs> in, a, in, a, in an effective way. I was impressed, and I don't get impressed very much by very many people. So <laughs> just want to let you know that's, that's your intro from me. So you got no pressure here. Welcome to the show. Well. Well, thank you, and uh, thank you for all the kind words. Yeah, the five of us got together in 2002 and, and uh, started Leap with uh, the five of us, and then uh, with the 10, 20, and now uh, I understand we're, we're well over 5,000 law enforcement professionals, and um, I, I'm in the halls of Congress to uh, move the issue at that level, and um, that's what I've been doing now the past 10 years uh, here in Washington, D.C., uh, the swamp, uh, whatever you want to call it, uh, uh, that's that's where I was today, uh, up and down the halls of the House, uh, talking to folks, talking to members of Congress, and telling at the federal level, all we do is simply say apply the Tenth Amendment states' rights to the issue of all drugs, starting with marijuana, and return this issue back to Sacramento, back to Carson City, back to Phoenix, uh, Springfield, Illinois, and let the folks back there figure out what to do with these drugs. Well, I couldn't agree and Howard, with you more. Uh, this is, Howard, I, I just want to say that your reports from the halls of Congress are stunning and impressive, as well as hmm. uh, your reports from foreign soil that are just all, there are things that I look forward to reading. Well, thank you, Steve. Uh, yeah, it, it, uh, I've, long time ago, I, I learned how to speak uh, French, German, and Spanish, so I've been to Vienna at the United Nations a couple of times to lend the, the law enforcement voice there as to why we should end this, uh, as I like to say, the most destructive, dysfunctional, and immoral, immoral policy since slavery and Jim Crow. And um, um, it's, it's, it's all paying off now where the, the momentum in Congress uh, is – growing day by day and uh call me crazy i've been at this now for 19 years but i feel strongly that uh before 2020 we will put a bill on the president's desk to end the 1937 law the prohibition of marijuana how long well, do you think it'll be before uh schedule one is taken off of the controlled substances act 
Yeah, there's there's cheerful news there also, uh, Steve. Uh, uh, Congressman uh, Garrett has a bill to to move it down to Schedule Three, and what's very important, the most exciting news I've I've heard in years, the American Legion, 2.2 million conservative, nearly all veterans have endorsed HR 2020, the bill to move marijuana down to to uh, Schedule Three. Uh, your listeners should know this was a leap initiative. I made contact with uh, the American Legion back in May. I brought in MPP. I brought in Normal, and now we've convinced them to uh, not just for more research, but actually endorse the bill to move marijuana down to Schedule Three, which would allow uh, the, the green plant to be used by everybody as a medicine. So this is why I'm very excited because with the American Legion support, uh, they have weekly briefings at the white house. Let me just tell you, I have never been to the white house, but the American Legion, the guys I'm talking to and having breakfast with from the American Legion, their uh, lobbyists, they go every week to the white house and tell the white house what they want. So this is a significant development in the course of, uh, uh, American prohibition. That's great. Well, I'd like to I'd like to bring up um, another amendment that or legislation potential legislation that's been mm-hmm. circulating since 2013, and that's the Rohrbacher amendment, Rohrbacher Far. I guess it's got a new name now because Far's out of the right. picture. But um, right. so a bunch of uh, of of anti-prohibition. Uh, individuals and or- organizations have gotten together, and we formed a coalition. And mm-hmm. uh, I, it, it appears that this um, amendment um, to the Controlled Substances Act is going to die in committee um, by December 8th if it doesn't get a, a kick in the pants. And um, right. we're mm-hmm. we're going to do everything we can to help resuscitate it. And this is. You know, Steve was talking about the Tenth Amendment, or you were both talking about the Tenth Amendment, but um, that's what this this initiative is all about, is or an initiative mm-hmm. amendment, um, and it essentially just would change the Controlled Substances Act to allow states to decide what they want to do, and if it mm-hmm. were to, you know, pass this one that brought it down to Schedule Three, and this one were to go through, hell, it would open up the door. You know, for this to be reasonable, I mean, it would really be the uh, the door would open for the end of prohibition. Correct. Uh, yeah, there's two two initiatives, two uh, uh, bills out there in a sense from Rohrbacher. One is HR 975, which is to it's it's only 32 words. It was simply would in a sense repeal the 1937 law. Uh, again, cheerful news for the first time in the history of the world. There is a slight majority in the House past the end of marijuana prohibition. We have about 225 to 230 votes. Uh, you need 218. However, the, the, the fly in the soup, guys, is that the, the leadership will not allow a vote on the bill. And, and the second thing is we're trying to – and I think that's what you're directing it at. The DEA has been denied money for three years, three fiscal years, to go after state legal medical marijuana operations. And that is what we are currently working very hard on in the Congress. There's about eight of us who pull the wagon on, on this type of marijuana reform. We're all working very hard trying to get more uh, Republicans, especially 
to sign on to a letter that would uh, direct uh, the the, administra- the 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 leadership to allow a vote. And uh, in fact, right today we have 27 Republicans and 24 Democrats on it. So we've gained some support. The question is how how much Republican leadership will not allow the vote. This is it's power politics. It's got a lot to do with money. And uh, you know we've got we've got truth, justice, common sense on our side, but money in Washington D.C. obviously has a powerful voice. Well, that's what we've been talking about forever. And you know I, I talk about the you know the, the forces against us. You know the prison guards mm. union, the, sure. the pharmaceutical lobby, the chemical yep. companies, the oil. All of that is is pushing mm. against. They would stand to lose if we opened up the doors of, of you know, cannabis and hemp um, uh, into the economy. It would it would mm-hmm. shatter their hold on it. And yeah. I think that we still outnumber them by, I don't know, 500,000 to one. I think if we were just <laughs> to stand up one, I think they'd see the storm coming and they'd have to put their hands up and run the other way. Well, you'd think, but remember, uh, money is the is the is the root of all evil, and it is the is the gold standard in, in Washington D.C. And please don't leave out my profession, our profession. My, you know, the, the sheriffs' association, the chiefs of police, the DEA fight me every day in the halls of Congress. They do not want this to end. And of course, number one is the money. But I think Steve will agree with me. And my analysis shows that the number two reason that police do not want to legalize anything, especially marijuana, is the ability to search any car, any person they come in contact with. Because you can always just go, I smell marijuana, get out of your car or up against the wall for stop and frisk. I've talked to a lot of officers. I was out in California in 2010 for that ballot initiative. I had a bunch of street cops come up and say, but Howard, or not Howard, but but hey, guy, hey, cowboy, if if we if we legalize marijuana, how am I going to get into, how am I going to search a car? And I was I, I couldn't do it anymore. It happened to me. Yeah, I'm sorry. So it's a big reason is we want instead of protect and serve, we are now much more search and arrest. And I'm sure you audiences know, knows what I'm talking about. So even in the halls of Congress. Uh, they they have they won't articulate that uh, obviously to your congressman or to your senator, but below the surface, that is a big reason street cops do not want to give up uh, the ability to search everything they come in contact with in violation of the Fourth Amendment, etc. But we, as a profession, cannot spell the Fourth Amendment. And speaking I, I from could, another perspective on that same on that same subject, mm-hmm. the street cops don't want to give that up because the brass don't want to give up management by production. The brass (laughs) only know how to measure arrests. They don't know how to measure public safety. They don't know how to manage people without looking at a statistic sheet, without looking at a recap. And it's the culture and management of police departments Right at the top, the chiefs of police and sheriffs, they could turn that attitude around in a very short period of time if they said, 
we are not interested in numbers. We are interested in the absence of crime, the absence of traffic accidents, the absence Mm -hmm. of aggravated assaults, the absence of robberies. That's our interest. And there are many ways to accomplish that, and arrest is only one of them. And certainly Mm -hmm. doing the ploy of saying, I'm going to search your car, I search your car, I found nothing, but still I said, well, I smelled marijuana. How can you prove it every other, any other way? This is what I call noble cause corruption. The officers think they're doing the right thing for a, for a, for a, a proper end, but they're not. They're violating the Fourth Amendment. They're violating what they raised their right hand and swore to, and that's public mm-hmm. service under the Constitution. Yeah, as usual, Steve is very articulate, and, and uh, as a street cop myself and detective, I, I totally agree. Um, uh, command is looking for numbers, and the marijuana arrest is an easy way to jack your numbers up, to become a sergeant, to go into a special squad like the motorcycle squad or the bicycle squad, and, and it's, it's very, and it's just an easy arrest and an easy way to count who's out there working, quote-unquote, working hard. Uh, but I have cheerful news I want to share with you. The good news is four years after legalization regulation in Colorado, their state police did a survey uh, of, of vehicle searches incident to a traffic stop. If you run a red light, how many times do they search your car? In four years now, the number of cars uh, searched by the state police is down 50% for blacks, 58% for browns, and 63% for whites. So the racial disparities, of course, are still there. But the police officers, the state troopers in Colorado are now searching less than half as many vehicles as they did four years ago since legalization. This is another way we are reducing the contact and the friction between the citizen and the police officer. Another advantage to legalize, regulate the green plant. Boy, what, well, a, great, and, uh, what, a, what a great study. I'd love to get a hold of that. I'll send it to you. Thank you. God. I think that, That's um, amazing. you know, we talk a lot about the stigma and, and you know, the unintended consequence of, of or maybe intended, but the, the broad-reaching consequence of prohibition. And um, that stigma is, you know, a big part of what causes all of these things, you know, these, these searches. Of course, you're, it opens up a door, but... When that stigma starts getting reduced and removed, and when it's recognized that more and more people are having access to cannabis, and the crime hasn't gone up, the accidents haven't mm-hmm. gone up, the fatalities mm-hmm. haven't gone up. At one point, law enforcement goes, "Well, you know, it's 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 slowly becoming accepted." Unfortunately, it's happening too slowly. But you know, at least like you say. We've got good news to report. Um, I never would have imagined in a million years, uh, well, at least in the last 10 years, that I would be sitting on the air talking to two cops uh, in a friendly way. (laughs) True, uh, true, true, true. (laughs) Clearly some some history, but, you know, that's the point of this is it's not about me. It's not about uh, about any of us. It's about making the world right. And uh, I'm I'm really grateful to know – that, that the two of you and, and all the other uh, officers that have decided that this is a worthy battle, you know, you guys have, mm. have a tremendous amount of power 
um, in the community, and I've witnessed some, you know, abuses of that power in ways that, you know, I, I don't even want to remember. And to see that you're taking that energy and that, that uh, influence that you have and you're taking it to do something good with it is it's it's powerful. So um, to, for us to be having this conversation, I, I, I'm, I'm impressed. <laughs> and I, I'd like to, you know, the work hey, that Joe, you're doing when, right when now. You, I'm Go sorry. When, when you talk about the officers that decided to be on the side that Howard and I are on, uh, it, it, it was really, in most of our experience, if you look through these guys, all of the people that from law enforcement that are doing what we're doing have an individual experience that involve their minds being open and not buying mm -hmm. into the bubble, not buying into the dogma, but making decisions for themselves. And so I would say if any police officer is listening to your show tonight, I would say to them, if they're not over here talking like we're talking, just open your mind and look around and break outside the bubble. Visit with people other than other law enforcement uh, people once in a while have a social mm -hmm. life outside of lo law enforcement so you can see how the rest of the world operates yeah, and it doesn't and it's different than the locker room at the station and the roll call room and the inside of the police car there's a whole society out there and if they open their minds they'll see what we're seeing mm -hmm. that's that's some powerful words that 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 actually is reminiscent of something that we would call common sense, which is not very common in this world, but uh, hopefully it's right. contagious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and, and I would also add to that that I, you know, I, and I, I I know this I know how this works. I have a, a grandson, seven years old, right, second grade, but I know in six short years, he will have his first opportunity option to become a marijuana dealer in his junior high school, his middle school, right? Kids as young as 13 are selling drugs in their middle schools. My sure. personal, personal uh, uh, cattle prod is I need to end this marijuana prohibition in the next six years so my grandson does not ever have a job option to sell marijuana because kids get shot and killed and hurt even selling just marijuana, not for my grandson. So that's a big, big influence on my life to get me up and go to go in the morning on the train and get to Washington, D.C., and get this damn thing over with. Well, you know, it's interesting, Howard, that you said that because that's been uh, my driving force as well. I've got, I've got photographs of my grandchildren uh, when they were two and three years old um, standing outside the mm -hmm. courthouse while I was going through trial holding up signs well, saying, you know, don't arrest my grandpa. And yep. I, I've taken it to a little bit different point of view, but it's essentially the same, is mm -hmm. I've, I've said, you know, i got a 7-year-old grandson as well and an 8-year-old granddaughter. And I've said, you know, it's just a few years before if they decide to make a choice to, to use a plant that they could find themselves facing felony charges and having their whole life destroyed. And mm -hmm. I can't let that happen. And it's the same right. just 
two sides of the same of the same issue, but that's been my mantra through this whole thing. I, I've spoken endlessly about it, and I, I I'm very um, pleased to know that you know that common thread is at least uh, uh, carrying enough people, some people, to to act. It's certainly carrying me to act. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, I mean, there's nothing more precious than your grandkids, so no brainer. Couldn't agree more. Well, I'm with you guys. Uh, hey, Joe, uh, I got to, I got to, Go Joe, I got to jump and uh, I'm, I'm sure happy that you had me on and, and uh, it was great to be on with uh, Howard, but I had another meeting I got to jump to. So I, can I leave no you problem. with Howard? Thank you for joining. Thanks, and, and how would somebody participate and uh, get a hold of you if they, if they needed to? How do they get a hold of me? Uh, yeah, just what, uh, what, go what? to uh, just go go to the website on Leap, and you can connect with the uh, public affairs uh, person, Michaela Hellwich, and they can line line me or anybody mm-hmm. up they want to speak on a show like this or to come out to the Rotary Club or or whatever. Just go to uh, www.leap.org, and you'll uh, and you'll find all of us. You'll find all of us across the country that will come out and speak. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Steve, and I uh, look forward to speaking with you in the future as uh, as this thing progresses on. You got it. Anytime, Joe. I was uh, very happy to be here. Beautiful. Thank you. All right, so, Howard, um, you know, it, it, you're working in right in the heart of it, in the belly of the beast. Um, belly of the when, beast, when the swamp. Yeah, the swamp. There you go. Well, the beast lives in the swamp. So, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> you know, when did you when did you make your first trip to Washington? Under this this premise, yeah, I I I rode my horse across America in '03 and '05, and then after the '05 ride from uh, L.A. to New York City, I I uh, trucked it down to Washington D.C., parked my horse, and then uh, a couple weeks later started going into Washington D.C. on the train and uh, going into the halls of Congress and telling people that, uh, as they say, the drug war. Uh, is uh, the most destructive, dysfunctional, immoral policy since slavery and Jim Crow, and we need to apply the Tenth Amendment to get rid of it here at the federal level. And that was that was a good ten years ago. So uh, that's 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 what I've been doing uh, in my retirement is to uh, uh, represent law enforcement uh, who think that if you have a drug problem, see a doctor at a clinic. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I, I speak on that as well. And it's you know the drug problem is a is a health problem. It's not a it, it shouldn't right. be a crime problem unless somebody's stealing your drugs or stealing something to get their drugs or hurting somebody. Right. But you know a, right. a, a victimless crime is a health problem. Mm-hmm. Um, so what would you say in in this ten years um, your biggest obstacle has been? in in dealing with uh you know people that you know could make a difference um what what do you think what do you well, think the hardest it, thing facing right now is yeah in this tell you it's been my experience now 10 years i i guess i'm getting close to being an expert congress runs so you, for your audience on power money and ego and ego in my experience is the number one problem in congress you take a guy like Pete Sessions 
who's the one who denied the vote on uh, stopping the DEA from, from uh, going after state legal medical marijuana operations, he has said for 40 years that, that God's green plant is, is, the, is the nexus of evil. It's bad. It's wrong. It's as, as bad as heroin. It's, it causes all kinds of problems. And so he's been spouting essentially lies for 40 years. How does that man read the truth and then go, oh, I've been wrong for 40 years? The ego of a congressman or a United States senator is not strong enough to say, I'm sorry, folks, I was wrong for 30 years. Uh, I was wrong about God's green plant, and we really should let it be available to his people. The ego won't handle it. After that, as you mentioned earlier, the money of the pharmaceuticals, the money of the private prisons, the, the, the influence of the police industry. The police and prison industry is huge in Washington, D.C. And one last thing your, your listeners may not be aware of, the drug treatment industry is $35 billion, B-boy billion dollars a year, and they do not want anybody messing up their business model, which depends on a judge saying, do you want to do six weeks in jail or six months in treatment for $3,000 a month? This is a racket, as your audience knows, and money is the root of all the evil here. Well, I couldn't agree with you more on that. Um, what do you think your biggest uh, success has been, you know, having a breakthrough moment with somebody or, or overcoming an ego or, or, you know, I'm sure you've had a few of those. I've had a few, and I'll share with one that happened this year. So I go to Grover Norquist's uh, center-right meeting every Wednesday, and I, when I first got there about eight, nine years ago, I mean, most people thought I was a nutcase and I was just some stoned out hippie, you know, with short hair. And, um, uh, and now eight years of, of exposure later in one-on-one conversations. And this year, I can't mention any names, but a gentleman who's very well known, he's a national journalist who goes there every week. He came out and, in, a, in an article saying that, Marijuana legalization is not that big of a deal. I now say it's time to let the thing be legal and regulated and taxed like out, like beer. And this has been the greatest single aha moment. Can you imagine talking to a guy for eight years and then one day after eight years he said, you know what, I think you're right about marijuana and legalization. <laughs> I, I, it only took I, that, eight that, years. That's been uh, – <laughs> That's, that's yeah. just got to have but been how, uh, amazing. Yeah, that's how it works. And that's what's the, the, you know, and I've been 10 years in Washington, D.C. now total, and these stories like that one are one and one plus one plus one plus one. But as I said earlier, for the first time ever, this session of Congress, so the new batch of, of Republicans who are trending libertarian and 10th Amendment states' rights, we now have a slight majority if we could convince leadership to allow a vote, I could be out of a job in six months. And trust me, I would love to go back to Texas and ride my horse every day <laughs> instead of go to Congress. But leadership, Ryan and the head of the, the uh, Judiciary <clears throat> Committee, a guy named Goodlatte, will not allow a vote on the bills to send me home back to Texas. Well, let me ask you this. Um, my hope, obviously, in doing this show, you notice we don't have commercials. That means it's a... Volunteer, volunteer endeavor. Um, my goal wow. is to reach, reach out to people. Uh, my goal is mm-hmm. to 
uh, activate people. My goal is to inform, inspire, um, to, mm-hmm. to cause people to learn what they can do and be moved to do it. Um, mm-hmm. You're sitting there again in the heart of all of this. I have uh-huh. the potential to reach tens of thousands of people. What mm-hmm. would we say to these people that they could do uh, from the comfort of their home or, or getting on a train or a plane or a bus or whatever? Uh, mm-hmm. What do you think somebody could do that's willing to do something to to help push this effort forward? To help me out and to help end the 1937 law, and I'm sure your listeners know what that is. Oh, yeah. Write to your congressman and your two senators and just one short paragraph say, Dear Senator Feinstein, please apply the Tenth Amendment to marijuana issues. Give this issue back to Sacramento. Sincerely, a voter. That's all. And send it every six months as an email. Feinstein is one of our enemies. She is horrible on, on marijuana, as I'm sure you know. And But oh, yeah. if, if enough congressmen and senators hear that kind of talk, from people say, I vote, they will respond. The only thing that's stronger than the money from Big Pharma and the private prisons and the drug treatment people, etc., is when you say, I'm going to vote single issue, and Senator Feinstein, I will vote you out of office if you don't let Sacramento control marijuana. That's all I ask. Don't send money. Just send an email, please. Perfect. That's 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 the kind of action I can get a lot of people to do, and you know Please. we're we're pushing forward on this specific issue of the Rohrabacher Farr Amendment right now, and right. Um, right. that's you know we've got a couple of weeks to push on that, and when mm-hmm. that one goes through, we're gonna we're gonna pick the next one. But I'm you know we we've, we've got this coalition of of organizations that are both cannabis rights, patient rights. Um, uh, veterans' rights, uh, civil mm-hmm. liberties, across the board, and we're trying to give them, give us a a direction that can be effective. And really, that's that's mm-hmm. the answer. I want to put myself out of business too. I I'm CEO of a nonprofit, and I'm a volunteer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so really, <laughs> I'm I'm not doing this for the money. <laughs> it's yeah, just and, be and, and I I. Yeah, and I, I, I feel your pain. Uh, my expenses are paid, but I do this as a volunteer also. I, I put in 45 hours a week or so as a volunteer, but go. I have some people giving me money to pay for my train trip into Washington, D.C., and my lunch. So it, 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 uh, it's, it's doable. Well, I, I, I applaud that. I, I appreciate it, and I understand it. Um, so once again, um, how would somebody get a hold of you? Uh, if they want to uh, support, you know, LEAP or your personal efforts, um, what would you say mm-hmm. the best way to reach out to you would be? Well, just just uh, and, and for two things, whether you support or if you need information on something like uh, how do you do, how is, it's a big topic in Congress, what about DUI marijuana? I have a one-page, four-minute read on how you arrest somebody for driving under the influence of non-alcohol whether it's oxycodone or marijuana, the procedure is the same. I have all kinds of these one-page things. If you need that, contact me at, at my name, at uh, Gmail. So it's Howard, H-O-W-A-R-D, Wooldridge, W-O-O-L-D like David, 
R-I-D-G-E, a zero at gmail.com. And uh, I can, I'll be happy to answer any questions or send you material that can help you articulate uh, when you talk to these drug warriors about uh, DUI marijuana or gateway theory or what are the most dangerous drugs in the world or, you know, topics like that. I have it all on one sheet of paper. Beautiful. Well, I'll reach out to you for that, and uh, maybe we'll put it up on our website as a resource. It's one of the things that, um, you know, we, we offer to people is, is uh, resources to uh, empower mm-hmm. yourself. So, Howard, I, I'm, I'm just tickled that you were able to come on the show. I'd love to have you on again as things are progressing. Um, I'm glad mm-hmm. we finally had a chance to talk. you got a final party shot here. Back at you, sir. Back at you. Excellent. Uh, like I say, uh, the most important thing is to contact, go to the town hall meetings and say, Congressman, what are the, what are the advantages of, of, of uh, marijuana prohibition? Why do you keep supporting it? Tell me what's so good about it. And, and, and that's the type of, you know, you've got to ask them a question where they, that they can't answer yes or no. Always ask a question to a politician that they cannot answer yes or no. What are the advantages? And my, well, I do it all the time. Congressman? What are the advantages of prohibition? I asked uh, uh, Judge Poe that, a uh, congressman from Texas, uh, just last week. I said, okay, I know you, you are in favor of prohibition, but can you tell me the advantages? What good things are coming out of the prohibition of marijuana in our state of Texas? And he was at a loss for words because nobody gets ah. asked that question. That would be my, what you should ask every politician, whether it's your city council, county commissioner, your, your mayor, or your, or your state senator state rep, ask them, tell me the advantages of drug prohibition, please. That's some good advice. Well, I I will definitely put that to the test and uh, encourage folks to share their stories. Um, Well, Howard, it's a pleasure to have you on. And, again, um, I would invite you to come back anytime something important is happening. We're now connected. I'll reach out to you after the show uh, in the next day or so and, and get some of that information. Sounds good. I'm always at your service. Y'all take care. All right, take care. Once again, Howard Wildridge with Leap. All right, that was a great interview. I never uh, would have thought I would have uh, two cops on my show (laughs) and uh, have a civil, uh, productive conversation. And that just tells us uh, politicians are people, cops are people, judges are people, hell, even prosecutors, yeah, they're people. Um, You can get through to them. Doing what we do the way we do it, being effective, being positive, being uh, message-driven, being truth-driven. You never know. This guy worked on a congressman for eight years, and then he broke through. Imagine what would happen if you did this. We can all do this. All right, let's move forward. we got Tom McCain up next. Tom's been sitting on the line, um, and he's got some good news to share with us that uh, next week we're going to get in deeper. But, Tom, thank you so much for sticking on the line. Why don't you give everybody just a quick tease of what's coming up next week? Yeah, we're uh, <clears throat> kind of excited down here in Little Georgia about uh, a uh, case, doing the altercation where essentially they had this guy to rights and uh, a marijuana sale case, and the jury just said, no, uh, we don't buy it. So, um, and they acquitted him. We had a jury nullification um, of, a, of a cannabis case in Georgia. Just recently, and we've got yeah. the defendant, and I, I the attorney is going to be joining us as well. 
Yeah, she she says she was in for this. Yeah, and her Beautiful. name's Catherine Menard. Yeah, public defender. She's got a private practice, but this was this was a public defender case for. So. Well, I yeah. you know what? It's been a pretty good day. I've been beating my head against the wall trying to make progress with our efforts, and out of I don't know every single different direction, I keep having people say, "Hey, we got some good news." So I take that as the universe saying, "Keep on going, son. You're you're doing all right." I, uh, yeah. I I'm excited. Um, you and I've been talking. You're with Peachtree Normal, correct? Uh, yeah, that's correct. I'm also a retired peace officer. I'm a retired chief deputy here in Georgia, and uh, I'm a member of Leap also. Uh, uh, so, yeah, Howard and I met uh, in Atlanta at DPA. I also met Diane uh, Waddles Goldstein and. Uh, uh, well, I already knew Neil Franklin, but uh, yeah, we put together a uh, impromptu panel there and uh, uh, had a discussion about the uh, what they what they called a decriminalization of uh, marijuana in Atlanta. Um, but yeah, it was it was really good being with those folks. It really was. Well, I've been working with uh, Kim Smith and. Sharon Raver with Peachtree Normal for a while now, and uh, you know we met down at uh, uh, the Netroots Nation convention. Yeah, that's right. And mm-hmm. uh, you know it's great. We we decided to take this coalition to the heart of the civil rights movement, uh, straight into Atlanta. And you know Sharon was pounding hard when that decrim bill went through, and uh, or the initiative passed, and you know she brought in that good news to us a, a few weeks back. So. Uh, it, it's great to have you a part of the team. I, I'm really pleased with the progress of this coalition and, and watching like-minded folks standing together, sharing information, uh, sharing stories, and working together to, to finally end this nightmare that we call prohibition. Well, Tom, I look forward to uh, having you guys on next week. We're going to, uh, if you forward me a little bit of uh, the names of the individuals that are going to be coming on i will put them up in the tease of the show and we'll be able to uh, let everybody know what's going on i'll do that and uh i appreciate it look i really enjoyed your show too <laughs> just want to let beautiful. you know that excellent i love it thank you so much all right all right, Tom take McCain it easy. All right thanks and from uh peach street normal atlanta georgia all right, I'm going to bring up Lisa Sublet. Uh, we're going to talk about this little project we got going on. Um, I don't know where Tom Corby is, but Tom, if you're on the line, I see a 530 number. If it's you, uh, why don't you hang up? Call right back. So I want to give you plenty of time to do your NorCal report, um, but I don't see that it's you. So hopefully, if you hear me, um, go ahead and do that. Lisa, you're live on the air. Um, about two or three weeks ago. We were talking on the air, and uh, you threw this little idea out. Why don't you tell us a little bit about, you know, your idea and where we're at, and I want to give some updates from some people that I've been talking with and, uh, you know, continue this conversation. Okay. Well, I knew that we were coming to the deadline for the Robocra Far Amendment, and it seemed to me to be a pretty big deal. <laughs> I guess yeah. I have to say it really simply. Uh, and I just felt like, you know, we we the 
the idea behind the coalition is really such a huge, powerful one. One that we could have a place where, you know, we could have all of these scattered, you know, smaller, medium, larger organizations, whatever, but a place where they could all come together and maybe, yes, we could do, you know, unified events that would happen across the country like a giant wave, or we could support each other in things, or as new activists come in, uh, those who've been around a while could help give them some kind of a toolkit or ideas, and they don't have to reinvent the wheel each time to have some mentorship. It's it's hard to come in if you don't have anyone to mentor you. So it's good to pass this knowledge on and, and the power of unity instead of us being all these scattered little groups that our power would grow as we unified. So it's, you know, same concept behind the union and, and everything else. We're just stronger together. And we had a lot of momentum initially. And, uh, you know, then just uh, things happened. We hadn't had a unifying um, action in place. You know, Human Solution had to restructure, and you guys went through a lot of growth. And then we were so swamped here. Everybody was kind of swamped on our individuals. And uh, so I just, you know, I mentioned it to Joe, and Joe was like, this is it. This is what we're going to do. <laughs> so I might have had some kind of cockamamie idea, but this, I would say that was probably, uh, other than maybe some graphic design work and uh, the fact that I can schedule events, that's about it, uh, I think, and share things. But beyond that, I think uh, Becca and Lisa and you have uh, put on some superhuman capes and flown this thing to the moon. So I'm so proud of of everyone, um, you know, the effort Becca's that's been involved. Becca had a, uh, an award for this one. Uh, I'm going to be sending Becca a little uh, Willow Creek Springs Spa Day gift. Uh, she, she has uh, carried this thing. She wrote the press release. She wrote the letter. She put up the, the web page. And she's been fielding all of the endorsements and updating the the endorsement page. She alphabetized it, categorized it, and she's updating it regularly. So if anybody has yeah. done anything, um, Becca gets the, the award this time. Yes, um, I think so. You know, I think so. So I'm excited about it. We had some big names sign on today. I think that's the update that you're going to do. And then uh, it seems to be, you know, it seemed to be kind of, a, a slow pot to come to boil, but now it seems to be kind of off and running. And so uh, I'm excited about that. And may this be the first, may this just be the beginning and, and we can, like you said, work out the kinks in our communication and some things that need to happen, you know, back, back door to get, uh, you know, this to a place where it's a little easier to disseminate information. And like, I was so happy because, you know, our buddy James Meisner down in Georgia uh, used my uh, the research that we had compiled in Kansas on the opioid crisis, uh, how medical cannabis uh, has an evidence-based role in curbing the crisis. And he got to use that uh, for his signs, and he had the, the research and stuff on his tables at his Veterans Day event. That's the kind of stuff, you know, that made me so happy uh, because that information, you know, knowledge is power. And so when we share knowledge with one another, we're empowering each other. And it just really blessed my socks off to see <laughs> to, to know that James benefited 
you know, those hours of work you do going oh. blind on a laptop, you know, that somebody used it. So that's the power what of the coalition. All about. That's the entire point of, you know, this coalition and, and working together. There's no reason that everybody should have to do everything, um, you know, and if somebody did it once, we should put it up on a shelf so somebody else can wear it. And, you know, it, it just makes sense. You think about uh, our enemies, and when I say enemies, I'm speaking, you know, this war that we're in. There's one side of it, and then there's us. And so you got law enforcement, you got prosecutors, you got judges, you got elected officials, you got all these people who are benefiting from our suffering, just to put it bluntly. And they share resources, and they mm-hmm. share tactics, help yeah. each other out, they pick each other up. They, you know, you never see one cop do a raid. There's always a hundred of them. They got helicopters <laughs> and dogs and every kind of thing that you could imagine. And they talk to each other and they, they uh, coordinate attacks and they do all this. And we sit there and attack each other for stupid yes. reasons. So us to oh, get yeah. together and, yeah, to, and to say, why don't we work together as a team just for a moment? <laughs> it, 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 it's, it's, yeah, I, I get that warm feeling that that is what this is all about um i spoke with melissa ragsdale today and she was really frustrated because of the numbers we have um and you know the numbers are growing we've probably doubled our numbers today from a couple of days ago i'm going to be publishing um tomorrow morning early in the morning california time the updated list and people can see we're over 300 um, individuals and over 50 uh, businesses and organizations, that number should be with zeros coming after it. And she said her personal experience was that <clears throat> she was sharing this out and people still aren't getting it. They still aren't understanding what is this for, why would I support this when I'm in Kansas and we don't even have access, what's it going to do for me? <laughs> what's your answer to that? And then I want to go on about what her suggestion was. Uh, well, I very. Fr- I'll just put it the way I put things. Uh, Kansas doesn't have a snowball's chance in hell uh, of ever having medical uh, law here if we don't have Rohrbacher Farr. Like I've said before, there's 190 million Americans protected by that law right now, 59.3% of America. And, you know, and, and that still has kinks in it. You know better than anybody else. Uh, you and Tom Corby and Mike Harris and everybody there fighting um, in in NorCal or or SoCal that it's it's still not perfect. Uh, nobody's felt the brunt of of federal overstepping their boundaries more than California. That was personal vendetta from what's her name, but we have. But even not perfect, that we have something. It would be hell. Uh, I mean, I what would happen, you know, to the 190 million who have current protection. But for those of us who don't have a law, uh, we would not stand a chance. Kansas legislators already argue with me with supremacy clause. And, um, you know, I have to reassure them by the the, de- the decisions of the court and, and other language that, uh, you know, this is 10th Amendment. It is a state's rights issue. And it's outside of that normal supremacy clause sphere. But if suddenly there was no Warbacher Farm Amendment for me to point to, um, you know, 
the the states that are still fighting um our our state governments would why would they take the risk of putting the state in jeopardy with the federal government they wouldn't do it so well, um, that's you know that's what you exactly. The, the thing that people don't realize is that in, in every single place that has not passed um, some kind of protection, at least one of the underlying reasons for that is the federal position. In every single case, one of the influencing factors, maybe the biggest one, maybe all of it, but at least one of the factors is the federal position. And state legislators can easily stand by and say, well, I swore to uphold the Constitution. I can't go against the federal government. And they just sit there and smile. Um, this will open up that door if this thing passes through. Now, one of the things Melissa brought to my attention, and, you know, this is such a learning game. We've, we've corrected ourselves numerous times, and I think that there's always room to improve and correct. She says, well, why don't you have a petition? And I says, well, you know, personally, I hate petitions. I didn't say that, but I do. Um, I think for the most part, you know, they're just you'd sign here and pass it on. People don't even read them. But so what? You know, what? Why don't we have a petition? Why don't we? Why don't we set up an online petition that something that people are familiar with? That is this. And as we get all the signatures together, we can marry the two together. It's it's the same thing. We can put this letter into a petition format. Um, on one of these, you know, whatever petition things are. Um, it's just one of the things that I think people might, uh, you might, we might get those numbers. It might be easier to go viral in a, in a different environment, not, not instead of what we're doing, but in addition to what we're doing. Um, I just know that, you know, there's a, the numbers that Neil or uh, Howard Wilders was talking about just with the American Legion, uh, it's just like it just told me we can do this if we can just get through to these people. You know, if we can get if we can get even the endorsement of one good significant veterans rights organization to this, and I'm I'm shocked we don't have that yet. Um, I talked to Chris Lewandowski. He said he was going to come aboard, but I haven't been able to track him down. Um, I think that that's you know things that'll open the door. Um, we are running low on time. I'm not afraid to go overtime. Lisa, I learned a trick. I can go overtime. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, well, let's go ahead and give a shout out. How how does somebody participate, and how does somebody find this um, this project? Well, they can go to the Human Solution uh, website because Becca has done a wonderful job of putting all of the information there and made it. Uh, you know, one click easy. Um, what did we call it today? How to and uh, how to do endorsements for dummies or something? I don't remember <laughs> what we said today. Exactly. But, but but Becca has made the on wonderful the, page on, on the on the website. Yeah, and that's probably the easiest thing for people to find and and to do. Uh, obviously, it's on the um, the United uh, Coalition of Cannabis Activists. Uh, Facebook page. It's the pin post. Um, and so that would be easy for people to get as well. I mean, uh, you know, and if you're in Kansas, it's on the Bleeding Kansas Advocates page. It's all over our Twitter. I blew it up all over Twitter today. So 
um, again, so I, but I think probably the easiest is go to the Human Solution uh, website um, and. Which is C-H-S-I-N-T-L dot org. Yes. Yep. And Becca made it one click easy. So, and then that's a real easy link to then also copy and paste into your social media and say, hey, I signed this. You sign it too. And I like the petition idea. And I told Melissa when she was like, how come you guys didn't do a petition? And I was like, well, <laughs> frankly, I think Joe and I are just old. Uh, and we're we're very historically romantic. And we got all excited about there's something about putting name to paper. There's something about sending paper out with names on, exactly. on the bottom of it. You know, there's something about that. And I understand well, we, that's not the world we today. And, and, you know, we, we wove this thing together ourselves. The, it wasn't yeah. just fill out a template and, and hit, hit a button. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, I kind of like this was a little bit more organic. And I think that, uh, I don't know. It's, and plus, when you do petitions, they don't have really room for organization names and things like that, too. I don't know if that can be modified or not, but I, I agree with you. I think it could be married, uh, definitely could be married. And But I like I like what we have. I like, I like the idea of there being something that comes in their mail, and they open it, and there are these names, and here's these organizations, and all of these people standing together as one. Uh, I like that. You know, it's not something that will just come in their email that they can delete. You know, some staff is going to have to open this and look at it. They're going to have to deal with it. And Somebody's going to have to crush it up and throw it away or say, hey, what is this? And yeah. you know what? All of this effort, you know, after listening to Howard talking about that guy he wore down for eight years, and if I can say this, if all of this effort we did gets one elected official to say, hey, then it was worth it. If one yeah. elected official changes his mind because of this effort we did, and whether it gets what we want or not, but if it changed his mind, his mind is now changed. And he'll open his mind, he'll open his eyes, like Steve Downing was saying, just open your mind. Just be willing to look at what's in front of you. Be willing to look at the truth. That's all we're asking here, just be willing to look right. at the truth. Well, I hope what we're doing, too, can be a help to Howard. I hope that'll be another tool that that Howard will be able to point to and and say, you know, look at this. Look at all these organizations that signed on to this one one letter. And, you know, there's other people doing um, efforts as well. So, you know, hopefully all of that will come together in, in, in a way that will clearly send the message of what – like what they said, all of the data proves over 90% of Americans um, support now. So it's it's not the people. The people are not in the way of these of these law changes. And we need to hold the representatives of the people's feet to the fire and say, then why are you not representing the people? The people have spoken. This is fine. They want it done. They want this over with. Why are you not moving on behalf of the people? And, you know, so let's let's bring some things from the shadow into the light because if you're not doing your job, which is to be the voice of the people, then who's really pulling your strings? Uh, whose paychecks are you cashing? Cause that's the next question. 
This is supposed to be your job. We pay you with our tax dollars. You're going to get a retirement for the rest of your life, plus your Social Security, plus whatever else you, all other goodie bags you get, which is so ridiculous. Uh, when you consider that the first presidents had to bring their own furniture and staff to the White House with them, um, you know, because our, our founding, yeah, our founding fathers detested all of that kind of stuff. Uh, they would have never oh, thought about getting paid. Yeah, paid to be in office or to have benefits, they would have found that reprehensible. Um, you know, it was supposed to be about service. So now we go ahead and we pay them all this stuff, and they still sell their souls to the highest bidder. So we have over 90% approval rating across the nation. So what is the holdup? The same thing I say here in Kansas all the time. We have 76% approval rating here. What is your deal? You know, what is your holdup? The people want Can this to happen. So who are you afraid of? And 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 that absolutely shows whose paychecks they're cashing. So, you know, we have to. I, I love what he said. I'm going to start using that line. Uh, what's, you know, what's so great about prohibition? Can you can you tell me the good yeah. things that are coming from prohibition? Can you list them for me? I love it. So we keep on keeping on. And it's, yeah. And the power of the coalition and just God bless you and the human solution and, you know, and Liz who just uh, must have the patience of Job and, um, <laughs> you know, you know, and Becca and Lisa and just everybody who's so wonderful, you know, we keep on keeping on and I, um, I'm very grateful for it. So well, hope people will so join much. in. We're going to keep on going. I think I've got just enough time for Tom Corby, and I'm not sure uh, he's one of these. So we got a 530 number, and let's see. we got – is this Tom Corby? Is this you, Tom? Hello? Oh, uh, this who, is who Eric Pierce, but I'm in the room with Tom. Okay. Well, uh, you got a decently clear, uh, clear phone. Tom usually checks in with the NorCal report. Is there any way you can get him right to you and uh, have him have him do this on your phone? Right. So, hey. All right. I think we're at two phones echoing. Um, we might not be able to have Hey, can you can you take the other five three zero number? My phone's about dead. Uh, yeah, I'll take the other one. All right, hang on. All right, cool. here we go. Yeah, there we go. Much better. All right, Joe, are you there? I am. You're live on the air. Time for the NorCal report. We're in overtime right now. Okay, well, I was having trouble. I'm here with Eric Pierce, and uh, I told you earlier that he had his actually, uh his third TR today. What's that say? <laughs> uh, he's taking them on uh, like Alex Lyons. Going to take them on on to a speedy trial. Uh, he's got a PP Marshall public pretender uh, that finally says, "Well, I might have some kind of defense for you." And uh, actually, uh, some of these PDs and uh, attorneys are actually yelling at defendants, and you can't do that. Uh, uh, like and so Eric Pierce, like uh, Betty in Butte County, and we always uh, 
recommend and ask you to stand your ground and never take any plea deal. Joe's pointed out to me from the very beginning, probably so much. If more people would take them on to trial, they couldn't do it. Probably about only 7% do. Uh, Joe, I think he said even 10%, and we wouldn't be here today. Uh, we'd be here also on a different level. Uh, the Human Solution we International. Out of this. Yeah. Well, and the human solution, I say the humane human solution will always be there no matter, even if we finally am prohibition, which is our goal and vision. I always want to thank Joe, uh, Becca, uh, Coffee Party Radio Show for another historical show. Uh, it was great to be there for folks like Eric today. He's also right here reciprocating, helping me with my awesome purple garden that I've never seen before. And... Uh, <laughs> Also, how to grow these gardens and study on the medicine. The human solution is about all facets of our sacred plant cannabis. Uh, so today, uh, in court, uh, as I pointed out uh, on, on the calendar, we asked you to go there, humansolutioninternational.org, slash calendar, and post your your event. I have, I have, and I've been saying, uh, I don't have too many left because again, I'm going to bring out a thing so important that we're setting huge precedents up here in Northern California, especially Butte County. We're getting dismissals, acquittals, just one right after the other. And folks saying, how are we doing this? The first thing we know, uh, when we, when the defendant gets out, is to have a big white pad and be writing. And on that pad, you're going to have discovery and uh, application. And when you do that, you're going to start getting your your discovery. And your police report is your first discovery. Uh, how can you work your case? Uh, Eric Pierce will tell you if you don't know exactly what you're charged for. So, uh like Alex Lyons and Ray Sharp and Frank Canan, that all just had their cases dismissed, all worked their own discovery. And they actually all, uh, Eric will tell you how easy it was to go in and file your own motion. We can't count our, our attorneys and PDs. They get over busy or they may just be after the money. Uh, so we can actually follow through and make sure and, and do our own filing, our, our motions. Number one motion, I think Joel agreed, uh, even in his case, uh, is a 995 dismissal motion on probable cause, caution traverse the warrant. And our our, our, our case, of seven night I'll expand more on our case six years ago, and thank Joel again for coming up for our court support, and, uh, one of our, two of our six pre-trials, uh, it's our case is still in the higher courts on that same 995 probable cause is always to me number one, uh, and uh, that's that's what we do first. So uh, today, uh, actually, uh, Eric Pierce is here. Uh, I'm, I'm going to let Eric say a few words, and then I'll come back in. Here's Eric Pierce. Hi, uh, my name is Eric Pierce. I'm uh, welcome to the show, Eric. Thank you. I've been going uh, to court now for just over two years. It's had my two-year anniversary of being arrested uh, last week. And um, 
yeah, it's uh, it's amazing what uh, what these people will tell you and try to try to lie to you about. Um, number one thing I can say is, you know, don't be intimidated, regardless of what you know your attorney, your DA, anybody else has to tell you. Don't be intimidated and don't be afraid to speak about your case to other people because the only reason your your public defender or even a paid lawyer doesn't want you to speak about your case is because he doesn't want you to be convinced to go to trial and not take the deal because taking the deal that's quick money for him regardless of where he's getting his paycheck from you directly or somebody else um my uh i got a public defender marshall um here in butte county uh robert marshall um he's multiple times been uh arguing with me yelling at me uh calling me an idiot calling me insane um, he yesterday on the phone even uh, got into an argument with me. He's telling me that if I take this to trial, and I'm, he guarantees I'm going to lose, but if I take this to a jury trial and I do win, that the judge is still going to charge me court fees and $500 a day for his time to defend me, which he is not doing, of course. And um, he, I told him that was ex sane, away from and without sanity. Uh, because if you're innocent, why would you pay to be prosecuted? Why would uh, they tell you if you you cannot afford a lawyer? Why would one be one will be uh, you know given to you, appointed to you? So why would I possibly pay $500 a day if I'm not guilty? Um, if they want to collect their their money for all the money they spent on this case then they should go after the original complainant or maybe the DA who's uh, been pushing this case without evidence or somebody like that possibly, but definitely not me. And I also told him very clearly that regardless of what he has to say, I know this is not true. I also know that by contract law, if I do not agree to pay something, nobody can, can assign that I have to pay something. Um, especially if I'm not guilty of something. Uh, fines and fees, fees uh, back, I believe it was 16th century, was actually not spelled F-E-E, it was spelled F-I-E, and a fee is something you pay for your sin when you've committed a sin. Uh, if I have committed a sin against no one, why would I pay a fee? So, um, That's a good point. Yeah, and, and even his... Even his um, he hung up on me. Even his uh, secretary, when I called back, uh, started arguing this point. And then today in court, his uh, his other employee, his uh, uh, what do they call it, uh, detective or investigator guy, um, he was in the hall arguing with me about this. And <laughs> he even gave me some uh, some penal code. 987.8 I have not actually gotten to internet to Google search this but he is saying that penal code 987.8 uh, allows the judge to if I am found not guilty by a jury of 12 people allows the judge to assign court fees and paying for my lawyer fees that's BS, and right? that's I've, I've you know when I was in jail on a pot of 40 people no one uh, nobody believes that, and a lot of those people, it was not their first time in there. They're experienced. So the point being, not uh, Dr. Allen's here today, <clears throat> will tell you there's no 12 juries that are going to find Eric Pierce guilty, and again, we're going to give him two to one odds. 
and he won't take it. He knows better. Yeah, and um, and and there's you know, uh, the bottom line is uh, when I when I face a jury of twelve people, regardless if I have a lawyer there or if I'm speaking for myself, I'm not going to go in front of a, a jury of twelve people um, who only one of them has to say not guilty, and not speak for myself. I'm not going to go there and let some lawyer that doesn't know anything about my case because for two years now, he has not spoken to me about my case. He wants to talk about deals and telling me that, well, we'll talk about it later and this and that. (laughs) Um, I'm not going to let him speak to a jury of 12 people. Um, Absolutely not. I'm going to speak for myself. And I, I believe that I am not guilty. I do not believe that I committed a crime or a sin against anybody or any inanimate object as well. And I can assure you that my belief, I believe this so firmly that I do not believe there's a jury of 12 people that I cannot convince that I believe this wholeheartedly. Um, it's, uh, I don't know. I'm just amazed by the, the things that they, they, uh, they tell us, they lie to us. Um, you know, you would think someone under the bar association would would be held to some sort of uh, uh, rules or regulations and things. I mean, they do have a, like a certificate or something, right? Uh, an active membership. Wait, what, Doc? Just wait till you tell the jury of the deal that that your lawyer wants you to pay, even if you're in the. Yeah, oh, that's good. What's the, what's the jury here? Is that they're going to come that's apart? Good, good point, Doc. Yeah, and. and I'm I'm not sure. I'll, I'm open to any any suggestions, but I I don't see how I two two Marsden motions now. I do not see how this guy is still on my case, and I cannot get uh, either another attorney assigned, paid by the county, or well, or something. Too, but the judge, two judges refused him and Marshall to recuse himself and will not let him even go pro per. Joe, now listen to this. It gets better. Keep in mind, when when Eric Pierce got busted, Dr. No, Dr. Allen knows well, we talk about court supporters, Dr. Allen's been there more, and like Joe, more than, you know, we more would come like Doc. Anyway, uh, he had the usual charges of cultivation, possession, and sales, and also had already misdemeanor mushrooms, but what happened? They find out they can't. They they dropped the mushroom charges early, Joe, and then they found out they couldn't get him on the other three. So now they're recharging him with misdemeanor mushrooms. So we always point out, what a waste of taxpayers' time and money. It's disrupting lives like Eric's and all his family. So we want to thank everybody today, always together, helping be the solution. And prohibition. No one should be going to jail for our sacred plan. Thank you all today. You have anything else to say? All right. Well, um, thank you so much, Tom. And uh, we're about 20 minutes over time. And I want to thank everybody who was here and participated in this. And we will see you next week. I am Willie Nelson, and the Willie Nelson Teapot Party and I endorse the human solution, supporting cannabis prisoners because no one should go to jail for a plant. Little things I should have said and done, you were always on my mind.